Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round two recap for this week's U.S. Open. And joining me to break it all down, it's Greg Ducharme. Greg, good to see you, bud. Good to see you, Rick. Happy Friday night. Uh, Happy what a Friday evening. I, I I know this is a little more normal for you, this time frame. Yes. But I, I love a little primetime golf, especially when it's a major. Yeah, I mean, I tend to... Um, I sometimes feel bad for you guys, right? I'm usually over here recording at like three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock. You guys are, I'm, you know, middle of your night right now. It's ten o'clock on a on a Friday evening. You could be out doing anything right now, Greg, and you're here with us, which we appreciate. Well, Rick, if I wasn't <laughs> if I wasn't here with you, I'd be uh, probably just sitting a couple feet behind me on the couch, getting ready to go to sleep. So. Uh, I don't feel don't feel bad for me because I love talking golf. My, my my wife, she may rather me not be here, but we'll thank her. I have not seen ten o'clock in a long time, so the fact it's a good thing that I'm on the West Coast because I go to bed at nine, so I could never yeah. make it to these. You still records. you live on East Coast time. You live on East Coast time. That's right. Uh, it is a Friday evening at the U.S. Open, and Richard Bland and Russell Henley are atop the leaderboard, just as we all expected and predicted. Greg, let's take these guys one by one. What, let's start with Richard Bland. He's probably the guy that most people know less about. This is a bit of a, I don't want to call it a resurgence for him, but he went he went so long without getting his first European Tour victory. 478 attempts before just a couple of weeks ago, Greg, capturing victory on the European Tour. Now he's trying to upstage that win with contending and potentially taking down the US Open. Um, yeah, Rick, it, it, I would say it's not a resurgence because there, there's not really much re. This is just a surgence. Same, same it's thing, right? A, yeah. yeah, right. It's just a late surgence. So, hey, it's cool to see in, in this, the year of the comeback. It's Maybe it's just the year of experience. Guy, you know, experienced players are really showing out. But um, it is making for a great story. And he's played some incredible golf so far, which has been a pleasure to watch. And, and today's round, um, he made seven birdies, which mm-hmm. you don't really think we've seen some we've seen some guys make a lot of birdies in rounds Matthew Wolf yesterday made eight uh Richard Bland making seven today um so it, yeah it's it's a it's looking like a great story it does feel like one of those situations where you wonder what the real lead is um but hey, I mean look the, I, it it's nothing against them it's just it it, it, this doesn't seem like the Dustin Johnson, the Gary Woodland, the Brooks Kepka, the Bryson DeChambeau, the Jordan Spieth, like our last five winners uh, of the U.S. Open. So, um, yeah, little. this one feels a little different right now. If you're watching on YouTube, Jacob is scrolling through Richard Bland's wiki page. 
it is sparse to say the least. He is now currently showing the the thing that we always reference is like, oh, how many yellow squares does he have on Wiki, which is how many top tens you have at major championships in this grid. And that is many years that I see. And I see three major championships. This would be his fourth, two cuts. And I can't read what that says at the Open Championship in 2017, T52, I think it says, 58. Uh, no, like T22. Oh, excuse me, Richard Bland. T twenty two. Yeah, he's got a T twenty five. He's he's got a top twenty five. My apologies. Uh, my my favorite thing about this graph is that he has a major that he played in nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> yeah, he's playing in his fourth major. <laughs> yeah, Come one on. first one in nineteen ninety eight, fourth in twenty twenty one. Yeah, four it's awesome. In four decades. There right. You go. Right, four majors and, and four uh, somebody was sitting, joking earlier. I think I, I was listening to um, to the SiriusXM broadcast, and they were joking that yeah. Phil Mickelson has four wins in uh, in four decades, and Richard Bland has four major appearances in four decades. <laughs> so, I mean, it really is a testament to his longevity, though. I mean, the fact that you could even go 478 events on the European Tour before your first win means you played 478 events on the European Tour, which I imagine a very small percentage of guys even get to that many starts right and i mean it takes a lot to do that it, it's um it is a testament to his game not just longevity but his real ability level it, it's not easy to keep your card on the pga tour it's not easy to keep your card on the european tour I mean, it, and not quite as challenging but it's definitely not an easy feat so um i give him a lot of props it is it, it's not surprising watching him swing watching him play i mean he's got a great golf swing so um in that aspect it's not surprising he had a bunch of fairways today, which was, um, I think, a, a big helper for him. He had more than he did yesterday. Um, and then and then what you see, what he really did well is he's putting really well, which gives you concern going forward for the weekend. Um, but that's really how he's gotten it done so far. He's gained six, over six and a half shots through two rounds. Yes, he has. I was just looking at that as well. 6.6 strokes putting, 10.4 total. He's, he's not hitting it poorly. He's hitting it, he's hitting it better than uh, than Louis is. And then our very own Kyle Porter uh, tweeted out a quote that Richard Bland said to Damon Hack. So I guess I'm crediting all three of those people. And Damon asked him if he lets his mind wander to think about being the U.S. Open champion. And Bland said, quote, yeah, of course, it's going to be pretty tough not to do that, end quote, which... I imagine every single guy in the field has thought about them hoisting the trophy on Sunday, and many of them might tell you that they have not. But Richard Bland tells you, yeah, he's thought about it. <laughs> Look, if you haven't thought about it, um, you're, you're probably not here quite frankly, at some point in your life. Are you thinking about it this week? Well, you, you hope you can kind of boil it down and um, and think about each shot, one shot at a time, which is very cliche, but you, you hope you can focus on what you're doing while you're playing, while you're out there competing. But um, the, the thing that gets these guys to this level is the dream. And and the dreams are what drives you. So I, I think every single player in the field, Rick, it's very safe to say has thought about winning a U.S. Open, winning a green jacket, uh, likely winning all four major championships. And they've probably thought about winning, um, you know, 20 plus PGA Tour events as well. Yeah. So it, that, but that's what gets you going. <sighs> certainly gets me going and I'm nowhere near the PGA tour. I think about hoisting the U S open trophy on a Sunday and I'm just some nerd behind the computer. Well, I mean, Rick, there, there are replicas all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> 
I actually looked up a, like a really nice replica. It was like six hundred dollars. I was like, not not that nice. I want like a less nice version of this. Can, so I can, can put I try it, in the it out? Pick it up once. Get a picture. <laughs> Uh, Russ Henley also atop the leaderboard with Richard Bland. He goes out and backs up his Thursday 67 with a Friday 70. That's one under par for you counting at home. And Russell Henley, Greg, without – I don't know if you're in the outline. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. But okay, I'm have, not in the you, outline. I promise. I'm on what, the usopen.com. What do you think Russell Henley's official world golf ranking is? Oh, before I guess that. Okay, I, I'm sure you've heard this, but um, when Phil Mickelson won the the PGA Championship, his official World Golf ranking was 115th. Um, yeah. Richard Bland's official World Golf ranking right now is also 115th. So I just thought that was ironic, and the Russell it's Henley over. thing uh, brings it up. So what is Russell Henley's official World Golf ranking? He's yes. played some nice tournaments this year. Yep. Um, but I feel like before this year, it was really a, kind of a struggle for him. Um, I'm going to guess, I I feel like he's outside of, is he outside of Richard Bland? No. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> now I, I love get a this little game. more normal. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Because you have all the answers. I know the you answers. have all the answers. <laughs> all right. I'm going to say uh, 78th. Uh, not bad. 63rd. 63rd in the world rankings. Four top 10 finishes this season, including back-to-back top five finishes at the Zozo and the CJ Cup. So those are two smaller fields, but stacked kind of invitational fields, no-cut events. And his last victory on the PGA Tour, Greg, you want to take a crack at that one? Uh, well, This one see. I would I know have known first. The, okay, I would have I know known the tournament, but I wouldn't have known the year off the top of my head. Mm. I would have had to guess at the year. Ooh, I might I might have a hard time with the year too. But I know he won Sony was his first win. I know he also won the Honda Classic and he won the Shell Houston Open. What year? I I believe the Shell Houston Open was the most recent. So Correct. what year did he win the Shell Houston Open? My guess is 2014. Oh, it was more recent than that. 2017. Russ Henley oh. 2017 Shell Houston Open his I knew it. His Friday round was very much, to me, this is like a U.S. Open win. Like, this is how you win U.S. Opens, or this is how you kind of stay in it. He birdied eight, bogeyed nine, birdied 18, made pars on the rest. If you make 15 pars a day at Torrey Pines over the next two days, you are probably hanging in there. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. Although with scoring right now the way it is, it, it's, it's a little bit better it, than I thought. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot better than I thought. Um, at this point, you have you have let's see, twelve guys, uh, twelve guys under par. Um, so I guess that's not it's not terrible. I think in two thousand eight there were eight guys under par through thirty six holes. So that kind of thinned out a little bit. But it just it seems maybe maybe it's that five under number that's kind of making you think scoring's a little bit better. Maybe it's when you're watching the ball's bouncing, but it doesn't seem crazy. It doesn't seem like guys are hitting good shots and getting penalized, which yeah. is probably a good thing setup wise. The rough also seems like it's playable. If you hit it into the rough in some spots, it's really bad, but for the most part, it's playable. Um, so I, I, I'm interested to see what happens over the weekend. I mean, how much, how much more difficult can it Will it get? Because typically you're you're used to seeing greens get really much firmer as the week progresses. But the thing that's concerning me is that marine layer. And if that comes in every single morning, 
it's almost like every day is Thursday where the green, there's a lot of moisture in the air to start the day. And by the time the afternoon comes around, it kind of wears off. Um, and that can make scoring in the morning a little bit lower. It can lead to some Saturday morning charges. Um, but I, you know, all in all, Rick, I, I think you're right. If you typically where that first round lead is, is kind of where the tournament ends up. Yesterday's lead was four under mm-hmm. today. It's five, four or five under par could, could be a uh, has a good chance of being a winner. Well, if four under par ends up being the winning score, we've got two golfers on it right now. One shot back of Blandon Henley. We got Louis Oosthuizen and Matthew Wolf. Oosthuizen uh, did not look like himself. He struggled with a lot of approach shots on Friday, but he hung on and he got in in an even seventy one. The story here at the minus fours continues to be Matthew Wolf, who of course was well documented. We talked about it with Kyle last night. Took time off away from the game to get right, both mentally and. And physically backed up his opening round 70 with a Friday 68. He played his last 12 holes of round two at four under par. The last U.S. Open Matthew Wolf played was a runner-up finish to Bryson DeChambeau. I don't know what to expect from him over the first over the final two days. I'm rooting forward him, but I don't know how I don't know what to expect. Um Rick, first of all, I want to give you credit because I've heard a lot of people say, who would have guessed Matthew Wolf? <laughs> and on Monday, I believe you said, hey, I mean, if he was taking he skipped the PGA. Right. So the fact that he's playing this week means he's got to be feeling better about something. So I give you a lot of props for that because you're the only um, you're the only guy that was pro Matthew Wolf that I heard. Um, so a uh, lot of props for that. Thank you. But what was interesting about today was. Um, it, it kind of went the other way from yesterday. You're looking at yesterday, he makes eight birdies, but only shoots one under par. Well, that can't be sustainable, right? <laughs> yeah, There's no way yeah. that's sustainable. Um, but what he did today is he, he all he did is clean it up. He, he got rid of the double. He only made one bogey today, and he played more a more traditional U.S. Open round, not quite 15 pars, but um, but pretty close. And it, it was a really, really steady round. So I I like what I see out of Matthew Wolf. He is driving the ball great, um, that, not yes. necessarily hitting a lot of fairways, but he he's he gains he gained two strokes off the tee on Friday, which. That to me, Greg, is a really good sign because when he was really struggling uh, his last handful of events, he lost the driver and we know that's his weapon. When a golfer loses their weapon, it's very, very scary stuff. So to see him lean back on that club, he gained two strokes off the tee on Friday. He is currently at three and a half through two rounds. I mean, that that is Matthew Wolf. Let's go. That's the guy. Yeah, and third in the field in that category. And if you look at the concern, which is uh, he's only hit 43% of his fairways that can't hold up. Well, when when I look at that driving accuracy stat, I take it with uh, a big time grain of salt. And the the next thing that I always look at is greens of regulation. And when you're first in greens of regulation, I don't really care that much, um, especially if you're near the lead. I really don't care that much how many fairways you hit because it, it means that he's either hitting it close enough to the green where he's able to hit the green from the rough or he's hitting it into places like 
bunkers, uh, intermediate cuts of rough, uh, areas where it's not really that thick, nasty, typical U.S. Open rough. So he's able to hit the green, sitting 75% of his greens. That's first in the field. Um, and, and then he's also, he's gaining strokes approaching the green. So it's not like he's just hitting it to the front edge all day and having impossible putts. He's ninth strokes gained approach the green. So he is really the first guy we've mentioned, Rick, that, that fits the model where he's driving yes. it well, he's ironing it really well. If he's struggling with anything, it's the short game and he's putting well enough to win. Um, but he's not, it, the reason he's here isn't because of the putter. If that makes sense. I was hoping you were going to save that grain of salt comment for grain of sand. And I could, tr- I could transfer right to Victor Hovland. It's a little yeah. bit too early for that. We're going to get to that. I've got a couple of notable rounds that I need to get through because there were some really strong Friday rounds. Uh, we mentioned the 67 that Richard Bland shot. Bubba Watson, 67, also joins him with low round of the day. Mackenzie Hughes, four under low round of the day, and Colin Morikawa got there as well. So let's start with Bubba, who backed up his opening round, 72, with that 67 here you want to talk about making a lot of birdies he made one two three four five six seven birdies in route to that 67 greg yeah, and that this is the thing that makes you think scoring's a little bit easier. You're seeing guys make birdies in bunches, and and there are birdies out there. It's just it's difficult to avoid the bogeys, and and that's why the scoring isn't as low as it seems. It it seems like everybody's making birdies, they're making piles of them, but they're making their fair share of bogeys too, which keeps the low round of the day to four under par. Um, so B- Bubba is an interesting case here. Um, he has won this tournament. He won it. Uh, a ways back. I, I can't recite the year, but it was a quite a quite a while ago. Um, he was able to get a win here. So could you consider this a bubble course? Yeah, maybe. I, I think he he very clearly sees it. Um, he understands how to play and and he's having a really nice year, kind of a surprisingly nice year where I was expecting Bubba's career to kind of um, dissipate a little bit. And he show, he's really showed me something. He showed me that he's he's really into it and he and he cares. And what's he doing this week that's better than normal? He's putting well. He's he's gaining on the greens. He's 20th in strokes game putting for the week. So um, and, and hitting it all around kind of some some pretty nice performances. So yeah, I like where Bubba is today and a great round today. Bubba Watson won the Farmers Insurance Open in 2011. And if you can guess who finished runner up, I'll give you $10. And I'll tell you, I'll, no, I don't want to tell you anything because that might uh, narrow it down too much. Yeah. Um, in 2011, Farmers Insurance Open. Oh no, I think you're going to get it. <laughs> I'm so no. nervous. <laughs> I I, don't, I mean it's just a dart throw at this point. Yeah, it's a complete guess. I'm le- I'm free rolling you a ten dollar bet on if you can just guess a name. Um, let's see. I I don't know where to go. 2011, so long ago. There's so many guys that are, that are. But that narrows it down. See, I was going to give you the hint yeah, that he's playing uh, this yeah, week. I was going to yeah. tell you who's playing this week. All right. So now about, it's only five dollars. Uh, how about Lee Westwood? Oh whew. no, Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson finished oh, runner up. That was my I thought first, you were, that was I, my I thought, first. I thought, thought you were gonna go longevity plus San Diego equals Phil. That's what I thought you were gonna do. But I, I thought Phil first, and then I looked at <clears throat> in, in my mind, I looked at his record, <laughs> his playing resume here, and I was like, no, it's bad. It's all bad. There was yeah. one good finish, but I'm not even sure it was a runner up. <laughs> it was. I, I psyched myself out. Golly. <laughs> First cut. Freaking first cut. Golly. My favorite 67. First cut. Golly. 
Thank you, Jacob. <laughs> my favorite 67 was Colin Morikawa's 67 because he's not only my pick to win, but I've got a little investment in Colin Morikawa winning this golf tournament. And I'm I'm lucky for this because he shot a 75 on Thursday and I was uh, – not taking my ticket straight to the pay window, a la coach. And you look at how Morikawa started by bogeying number one. He gets it right back at number two. And then from six through nine, Greg, four consecutive birdies, played his entire second nine in even par, nine pars. Looking at his round yesterday, um, it was kind of a little bit concerning because he hit over 70% of his fairways. Uh, and he was, he was, it was like, well, what Colin Morikawa, if, if Colin Morikawa missed fairways this week, my thinking leading into the event, he was going to miss the cut. If he, if he didn't hit fairways, that, that was the recipe for him. He could win if he hit, if he drove it really well. Um, but if he missed fairways, he'd miss the cut because of his, his distance advantage is just a lot less than some of these other guys. He can't get away with spraying it, but he didn't. Well, it, it was, it was his other weakness that really got him yesterday, which was the putting and, um, it, it clearly improved today. So, um, great things to look forward to for Colin Morikawa. He was my, um, my pleasant surprise of the day. I would say I, I was extremely happy to see it. Although, um, yeah, I, I was, I was very happy. I, I didn't think that it was going to be a good week for him after what I saw yesterday. And it was just such a gutsy performance to not only make the cut, um, but put himself right back in the thick of it. And and he doesn't have to go crazy. I mean, he played two nice rounds and, and he can win this thing with just some st- two steady rounds and he can win. He's, he is right there in the thick of it. The U S open website has a couple of very interesting stats that I'm just kind of reading through. So they have something called missed fairway penalty, which is a per player stat. Essentially the penalty, if you miss the fairway, they have Colin Morikawa at two strokes, which is the second best in the field because he's only lost two strokes by missing the fairway. I don't know if this means like, because when he plays out of the fairway, he's so much better than everybody else or he's not missed that many fair i don't even know how to interpret yeah. this I, I don't this? i don't either i don't <laughs> either I, I would love to know what that means because i i think there's something just hearing that name um i i think there's really something to that does it incorporate the distance that you hit it what club you have in from the rough does it incorporate does it delineate between hitting it behind a tree and hitting it into the intermediate cut i, I would love to figure out what that statistic means a little bit more um because i think it's interesting and I, I also believe that fairways hit or driving accuracy is one of the worst statistics in the game. Um, oh, it's wor- I mean, definitely the worst. Maybe no, the most, putts, the least no, useful. Putts per round is the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Putts per green irregulation or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, those are great. The one thing is fairways, driving accuracy is an honest statistic. Nothing else in your game affects it. It's just, did you hit the fairway mm. or not? But it's mm. just, it, it doesn't ha- have any correlation with success, whether it's a U.S. Open with thick rough or any, it just has no correlation. But yet at the same time, when you play, you know that the way you drive it, the accuracy in which you drive it has a great effect. It's just being in the fairway, being in the rough isn't the determining factor on success. So I'd love to know a little bit more about that stat. Um, I, I don't know how to, how to find more information, but um, that's something I, I hope to work on over the weekend. 
while well, I don't know what word I was trying to say there. While we were recording last night, it was late because they played into basically until they ran out of daylight. And while we were recording, Bryson DeChambeau was still on the driving range smacking balls. And he had made a comment this morning that he did not find anything on the range last night, but he found something while he was sleeping. He thought of something. He brought it back to the range this morning, Friday morning, and apparently it worked and it's reflected in his score because the guy shot at a two under 69 to go with his opening round 73. He is now even par through two rounds. He is in T13 and he put a I don't know if he put an exclamation point. No, he did not because he he eagled 18. That was his ninth hole of the day. But here we go. The defending champion lurking. Yeah, and he did make birdie on nine. So um, definitely a a nice finish regardless. Not the exclamation point of an eagle, but a really nice finish regardless. And um, I, I feel that Bryson is putting fairly nicely um again not leaning on it completely his iron play yesterday wasn't very good um today it was much better and driving to the golf ball is um extraordinary i I think you could just call it it, it's extraordinary even though he's hasn't hit a ton of fairways so I, i really like what i'm seeing out of bryson he's got himself right there in the mix i thought the middle of his second nine today was a little disappointing because he was really putting himself to where he could be I mean, if, if he didn't make those two bogeys and Bryson's sitting at two under, he may be your favorite going into the weekend. Um, and he is only five back, so he's still right there. Um, and, and I give him a lot of credit because he, he really hung tough, and it, it is clear that he found something today. We're going to talk about who has a chance of winning this golf tournament, but I do want to get to the Victor Hovland update, and I laugh. I shouldn't laugh. He just he just released a, a very funny kind of, of of update on Twitter, which I can read a couple of um, a couple of sentences from. But Victor Hovland got sand in his eye in his warm up on Friday. He hit a bunker shot. Sand flew up in his eye. It happens to professionals. This was a very lingering there it is the producer jacob has the eye patch photo up on youtube right now this piece of sand was lingering it was impacting his vision i can't help but laugh the guy's always smiling he's always smiling he just withdrew from the u.s open he has a patch on his eye he is smiling through it he made i'm sorry i can't he made bogey on 12 14 15 and 16 he made the turn he made double on one he decided uh it was too much he could not take it anymore he withdrew from the golf tournament, he was nine over par at the time. Yeah, not an easy thing to do. It's kind of an important sense uh, in the game of golf. Your your eyesight. I mean, you think about one eye having only one eye. That you need both eyes for depth perception, and that's extremely important in the game of golf. Um, and and the discomfort too is something we look past the actual the actual pain. Now it'd be cool if that was uh, kind of our Tiger Woods story of the week, where <laughs> you know Victor Hovland won the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines with one eye. Uh, how does that match? up to Tiger Woods winning on one leg. Um, so that would have been kind of cool, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. He, he shot 74 yesterday. He was all the way up to nine over um, and and it had enough. So I understand probably a, a disappointing, one of the more disappoint, uh, disappointing events of the week because, you know, he was a guy, he was a favorite heading in. He was a guy, I, I think many, including myself, thought would have a, a really nice week. So uh, unfortunate, but this is, um, it, it definitely shows how 
It shows his attitude, why we all love him so much. My lovely wife, a trained optometrist, told me that sand in the eye is no joke and that this could have been very, very serious and all that good stuff. So well wishes to Victor Hovland. He appears to be... Here's my favorite line. Um, so he's describing he's describing this piece of sand and he says, however, the unique San Diego sand decided to linger much like the stubborn belly fat we all possess even after countless hours of cardio. <laughs> How can you not love this guy so much? Yeah, he's he's one of a kind. He really is. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's that beautiful. is amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, it is. He's just he's beautiful. I, I love the guy. I love him in every sense. All right. Here's what we got to do. We have to look at the odds via our friends over at William Hill, and we have to take some wild guesses at who's going to win this golf tournament. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back. Greg, it should be no surprise. I guess it may be a little bit of a surprise. Our favorite, John Rahm, who was our pre-tournament favorite. He was our uh, after round one favorite. He is our after round two favorite, plus 350. He is two shots back of the current lead that stands at five under par. Xander Shoffley, who is at minus two, three shots back, plus 600. Louis Oosthuizen, only one shot back. He is seven to one. And then you get to Matthew Wolf and Russell Henley at 10 to one via our friends at Will Hill. Man, um, I, I think they got it right, but I love the number on Henley, right? You get Henley at the, the co-lead at 10 to 1. I mentioned the tournaments that he won earlier. He, he's got three wins. Two of them are on very difficult golf courses. Uh, he's striking his irons well. He's one of the best iron players on the PGA Tour. He's, uh, I think, seventh on the year on the PGA Tour. Strokes can't approach the green. He's having a nice putting week, um, and he looks calm. The one thing that makes me a little nervous about Henley is the putt that he hit on the last hole today. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe was a sign of nerves. Um, so, but but that's just it seems like a kind of a crazy number. But Rom's the guy. All in all. There, there's no secret. He, he's the favorite for a reason. And he has played badly. And you heard him say today on the telecast, I, I mean, could you swing any worse today? How, how bad? I think he said, how bad are you swinging today? Talking to himself. And here he is right there in the mix within two shots of the lead playing badly. And with, with Bland, with Henley, with Ustazen. With most of these guys near the top of the leaderboard, Matthew Wolf, um, Bubba Watson had a great round today. It feels like they're all playing great. 
and then you get to John Rahm and it doesn't. You get to Xander Shoffley and he's hitting it really well, but you get a sense he's not getting anything out of his rounds. Um, and so those two guys, I, I think John Rahm being number one, clearly, and Xander Shoffley being number two, those are the guys that aren't playing well that are right there. And and they are playing well on the year. They're just not playing their best right now. And I think to me, that's a sign that they are going to play their best heading into the weekend. Scotty Scheffler was a guy that I loved heading into the week. I think he's one of the most accurate uh, drivers of the golf ball at his length, probably the most accurate at his length. Um, and and he also has a, a really nice short game too. So Scotty Scheffler is interesting to me, but this is, this is John Rahm's tournament. John Rahm has been hoisted by his short game, which I don't. I I tend to think that's more encouraging because I can't imagine you're going to keep down the ball striking of John Rahm for long. If you like the trends, Justin Ray has a couple of good ones here. Twenty three of the last twenty five U.S. Open champs were at or within two of the lead through thirty six. That's that's a nothing burger. That means that means your winner is one of Richard Bland, Russell Henley, Louis Ustase, and Matthew Wolf. Bubba Watson or John Rahm. That is at or within two shots of the lead. That is a that is a shocking stat that no that so few guys have come from further back through 36 holes. Yeah. Um you know, in a way, look, it, it's hard to make birdies in US opens. That's the thing. It's really hard to make birdies. So when you typically get on into the weekend and this the leaderboard starts going backwards, there, there's no room for a charge. So how far are you going to fall? And and you can, pl- uh, I don't know. I, I guess that's why that probably happens because it's hard to charge. You go to Augusta National and you feel like there's always that opportunity for a back nine charge, even though typically the winner comes out of the final group at that tournament as well. Um, but you, you break that down to the three unders or better. But basically somebody three under or better is going to win. I mean, R- Richard Bland, do you have any confidence that he's going to win the U S open, uh, heading into the, definitely not Russell Henley. No, you don't have any confidence there. Louis Ustazen has won one tournament on the PGA tour. Uh, Matthew Wolf, he basically has not played. He didn't play the PGA championship because of poor play. It's, it's unlikely that he's going to win the U S open. <laughs> Bubba Watson and John bet, Rahm are I'd the bet established Bubba. guys. I'd you, bet Bubba twenty-five to one. Twenty-five to one with so so if yeah. that if if we think that's the case, you got to be within two. If you say Bland probably doesn't win, Henley probably doesn't win, Louis, whatever never wins, never wins. Maybe he finally breaks through. Matthew Wolf is great, but he's ten to one. Bubba's twenty-five to one. The thing with Bubba is he he's won a lot. He's won major championships. When he gets going in the right direction, it's kind of hard to stop. When he gets going in the wrong direction, he's very hard to stop. He's, he will he'll be T forty two by Saturday night. But you know, what, like it, there it is, mud ball, mud ball. Yeah, you're not getting any of those this week. Um, but but the the thing I like about Bubba Rick is one, you don't have to make a ton of birdie putts here. And, and Bubba has a way <laughs> when he's won majors, he's, he's been a great lag putter. Yeah. Uh, he, he likes to play at maximum break and you get on greens like this and you lag the ball. It can work. It can be extremely advantageous. So I like that element of Bubba's game. And I, I think the, the best correlated stat statistical area with um, the leaders and the statistics right now is driving. 
strokes gain driving. And Bubba Watson is excellent in that category. So I, I do think Bubba has a real chance. But at the same time, he shot 67 today. Like he had a great round today. It, what is he is he going to do that again tomorrow? And he could. But John Rahm's the guy to me. He, he's played poorly. Yeah. But here he is. He he checks every box. If John Rahm is just still, he was before the week. He was last week. Uh, he was at the Memorial. He was in January. He was probably two years ago. He was when this tournament got announced that it was going to be at Torrey Pines. He's the guy yep. you circled. And here he is through 36 holes. He's still the guy you circle. So I, I don't see a reason to back off of that now. I, I still think John Rahm's your guy. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the scary. He's definitely the scary one here. <laughs> yeah, like, but I understand. Uh, I appreciate if you're going to go elsewhere. I mean, Watson it's a good number. Interesting. Yeah, it's a good I number. Think, I think Henley's really interesting too at ten to one. Ten to one for Russell Henley. Twenty five to one for Bubba Watson. I had one more thing, Greg, but I can't remember what it is. So I guess I don't okay. have one more thing well, anymore. That's on. That's on you. <laughs> it is. I should have wrote it down. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it was. But either way. Well, I think that'll think do of it. it. Text me. <clears throat> okay, I will. Um, we'll talk about it offline. <laughs> that'll do it for the round two recap. Obviously, we'll be back after rounds three and four to put uh, a capper on this major championship as we head to moving day. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, that's Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at the Real GFD, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.